We've been in a series that I called Triggered, and it has to do with uh, walking around with a fence. It has to do with the offended. And uh, the last couple weeks, we talked about some clear signs that you and I might be partnering with the fence if we see these things in our lives. And a couple of these things were entitlement, frustration, control, separation, uh, anger, uh, feeling disrespected or demanding respect, gossip, criticism. If feedback for you is a trigger to fight back. And we talked last week about the distinct difference between criticism and feedback. Criticism's goal, criticism's whole goal is to tear you down so that someone else can look better. Feedback's whole goal is to lift you up so that you can grow. But when I'm partnered with a fence, I will perceive both of them as criticism. Today we're going to talk about the harm of partnering with a fence. And just even the littlest bit, if you remember last week I said, if there was a little bit of poison in your pie this Thanksgiving, would you still eat that pie? Wow. That is power. Wow. That speaks to a whole nother problem that America has. We'll talk about you, 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 go, go, go listen to my, our new podcast for this week from Move to the Middle. It has to do with faith and fitness. Yeah, that's so good. What happens to our lives? What happens if we, if we allow just that little bit of offense? And sometimes we think, well, it's just a little bit. It's not that big of a deal. It's just, it's just a tiny bit. And today we're going to talk about the heart that a God that I believe is a good God and what He wants for you and His purposes that He has for you. And His purposes and His desire for you isn't, isn't that you walk through life offended and dealing with these offenses. But he wants you to have a life of freedom, of hope, of purpose. And we've been reading about the story in 2 Kings, this guy named Naaman. And Naaman, uh, it talks about in 2 Kings 5 that he was a great man. But he had one problem. He had this one deficiency. He had something called leprosy. And so Naaman goes to his king who he serves and he says, King, I've heard about this guy in Israel that if I go to him, he could pray for me and I can be healed. And, and would you send me? And so the king of Aram sends Naaman with a letter to the king of Israel. And Naaman shows up with this letter from his king to the king of Israel. And, a, and in tow, he brings a little over $5.1 million. And the story doesn't say that Naaman took all of his riches so in my mind, this is a portion of what Naaman has. Naaman was a very wealthy, great warrior. And he shows up on the doorstep of the king with this letter and this money and all these men. And he says, I have this letter for you. And the king of Israel reads this letter and says, are you kidding me? And my God, what can I do for you? I, I can't heal you. And Elisha, here's what's going on. So 
Naaman goes to Elisha and he shows up with his entourage. It says in scripture, he showed up with his horses and his chariots. And every great person has a great entourage. And so Naaman shows up with his great entourage and Elisha was a great man. And so you would think that Elisha being a great prophet and a great man of God and, and that Naaman being a great warrior, the two great guys would get together and they'd sit down and they'd have a great man conversation, but that's not what happens. Naaman shows up and Elisha doesn't even go out and greet him. In fact, Elisha sends a servant of his out to tell him, Naaman, this is what God says to you that you should go to the Jordan and you should wash yourself seven times and you'll be healed. And Naaman falls into a great trap of offense. and He's offended and he's critical of how he's being handled and he doesn't, he doesn't think he's being respected. And he goes off in anger, he separates himself and he's very quick to get angry. And there's one thing that Naaman does right there's one piece of this puzzle that Naaman gets correct. And I'm going to read this part of the passage to, to all of us this morning in verse 13. It says, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he, Naaman, went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. See, what Naaman got right was is he fought the urge to see feedback as criticism. He took the feedback he was receiving from his servants. And he went down, he took himself to the water and bathed himself seven times. He was completely healed. This morning, we're going to talk about some key things in your life and my life that the enemy goes directly after when we partner with this poison called offense. Because oftentimes we can think in our lives, well, it's not that big of a deal and it's not really harming me much. But we're going to see today how harm is brought directly to your doorstep. Harm is left at the threshold of your heart and my heart that what harm is done to us when we partner even to the smallest degree with offense. Carrying offense is poison number one to our thinking. Number one to our thinking. It's, it's impacting what and how we think about things. In 2 Corinthians 10.4 it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is what I know based on this scripture. Is that the biggest weapon that you and I have is our minds. Because we have the ability to take these thoughts, to take the things that what offense does is offense comes after our mind. It affects how we're thinking about things. And sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, sometimes... My, my perspective is skewed. The way I'm thinking about things is skewed. It's not right on. And, and this scripture tells me that I need to take those things captive. It means, to take captive means to imprison. It doesn't just mean to imprison those thoughts, family. It means to bring those thoughts as they've been imprisoned 
to bring them into the court of law that Jesus Christ actually stands in, and we submit those things to the law that Jesus brings. And when I'm having a thought where maybe it's impacting me and it's beginning to have have a negative result in my life, I can bring those things into that courtroom with Jesus, and Jesus is able to pass a verdict on those things. See, proof of poison in my thinking or your thinking is this, confusion, lack of clarity or a general lack of peace. The enemy knows that one of the biggest weapons that we have to fight in this battle is right here. And if he can create confusion in our minds, in fact, I've sat many times with people And I've heard these words come out of their mouth. And I have to tell you, to be fair, I've said these words far too often in my own life. It sounds something like this. I'm confused. I don't understand. I'm trying to get clarity. And I don't feel at peace. This is proof of the poison. This is a sign for you that your minds and my mind are beginning to feel the impacts of partnering with offense. And most often when I hear these words, it's very interesting to me to sit with somebody and have them say, I'm confused. I just, I I can't see clearly. And as I just allow them to process soon in that conversation, there will be a revelation of offense. They're offended about something and it's skewing their perspective and ability to think about something. And it's beginning to take its toll on their mind. And I will tell you, by and large, it has a massive impact on our mental health. Now, before I say what I'm about to say, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that there aren't individuals who have like legitimate chemical imbalances but I will tell you in my life, and again, you go, go watch the, the new podcast that we just put out last week, where I, I talk very briefly, although very briefly, I talk about the fact that because of my partnership with offense, what it was doing to my mind and my life was it was taking me to a place of very deep depression, of paralyzing anxiety, and ultimately thoughts of suicide. The enemy knows if it's my most powerful weapon, that he wants to create a haze and a fog that sits densely upon my mind. Have you ever driven in really thick fog before? We used to do this thing where we would surf in the morning time, especially during the Santa Ana's. Surf in the morning time, the waves are fun, and we'd get out of the water and throw everything in our car, and we'd drive up as fast as we could up to Big Bear, and we would snowboard the late afternoon into the evening under the lights. Has anyone ever done that? Oh my gosh. One person. Thank you, Jesus. I'm with you, Paul. Come on. Best time ever. It was so much fun. But do you know what I realized very quickly? Is as temperature changes and weather and the atmosphere changes, I'm driving down the mountain one night and we're having all this fun and the fog sets in coming down Big Bear, sets in like so thick people just pull over and stop on the side of the road. But because I'm competitive and I want to win and I want to be the first down the mountain, I'm not going to stop. I couldn't see, I couldn't see the yellow. I was driving not in a lane. I was driving in the center of the road. 
trying to see the yellow, the, the, the lines. So I put someone on the hood of my car and they sat. Please tell me this is the logical thing to do. And they, and they helped me navigate through the confusion and the fog. And I won. I beat all those cars that were parked on the side of the road. And I'm here to tell the story. So ultimately, I survived. See, the story ended well. Guy in the hood survived. Yes. He might still be living to tell the story. I don't know. Satan wants to cloud your mind with offense. He wants to riddle you and I with anxiety and deep depression. He wants to take us to a place that we will look at ourselves in the mirror and at some point we will ask this question, how did I get here? We begin to obsess when our minds are taken over. We begin to obsess over our offense. Have you ever, have you ever had somebody do something to you and you just like, you can't stop thinking about it. Your mind gets wrapped up in obsessing over that thing and you lose valuable time. And there's one thing in life that I feel like Satan knows you and I cannot earn back, win back, and grow back. And that's our time. And time, I feel like as a parent, that fast my, my, my baby, who is my oldest, is going to be 21 in a couple weeks. And I'm like, where did it go? What happened to time? Have you ever been in a situation where you just felt a little uneasy? And you worry about that thing so much you start obsessing over it. And the enemy wants to rob us of our time because we get wrapped up in here. Number two, carrying offense can be a poison to how we're seeing things. It's what you see and how you see it. I'll, I'll call it this. It's our perspective. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. There is a way that appears to be right. I realized this in my own life that in my offense, I could argue and validate why I should be taking the actions that I was taking. And it seemed right because that's the way that I saw things. But ultimately, it was leading to death in my life. And I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this. You, you are so committed to the way that you see things. And for me, because of that competitive nature, I was committed even if it led me to death because I just was not going to allow you to win. I wasn't going to back off of my conviction even if it was taking me to a place of deep depression, paralyzing anxiety, and thoughts of suicide.
proof of this poison is everything and everybody is an attack against you. You know the conversation that you had that got a little bit intense with your friend. And within that 24-hour period, they made a post on Facebook, and you are 100% convinced that that post on Facebook is about you. You're convinced that every glance is a cutting eye that's looking at you suspect. You're convinced that every song that was written was written with you in mind. You're, you're convinced that somebody read your mind and emailed me, the pastor, so that I could speak directly to what you're dealing with every single Sunday. I have so many people that go, did somebody that knows me talk to you? Because it was like, you were talking right to me. You knew all the things that I'm doing that are wrong and bad. And I said, no, I'm just... I'm reflecting to you the humanity that I find in my own heart. We're in this together, family. Ultimately, you're going to lose direction. I know in my life I lost direction because of the way that I saw things. I lost direction. and Once I lost direction, I went from living with a sense of purpose. And by the way, do you know that one of the biggest things that each one of us want to know in life is what are you here for? What is your purpose? Was I put here just to merely bump through life and just, for some of us, just get up in the morning and breathe? What is your purpose? And the moment that I start seeing things through a lens of offense, I stop seeing clearly and I stop seeing the purpose that I was born for and I can only see all of the purposes of the, of the insults. I can't see why God created me. I can only see all of the things that everyone's doing to me that, that's creating this, this disease. 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 That's creating this thing inside of me. And once I lose sight of what God's plan is in my life, I, I begin having trouble seeing anything clearly. And my view and my vision of not only my life, but your life becomes very skewed. And so if I have a lack of purpose, I want you to equally have a lack of purpose. And so I want to be sure that you're walking with a complete reality and knowledge and you have a high intellect about the fact that you have no purpose either. And I'm here to just fill you in and inform you how purposeless your life is. Because offense always wants to breed offense and hurt people hurt people. And so that's the way that I see the world. Everyone's trying to hurt me. And so I'm hurt. And so hurt people hurt people and offended people offend people. So we go from living with purpose to living with paranoia. Everybody and everything is out to get me. In the message translation in Proverbs 2019, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. It's impossible to see what God is doing if instead you only see everything being done to you. 
Now, I'm going to set some theology concretely, I hope, for us this morning, really quickly. Theology, what we think about God. I want you to know something. God is a good God. God is a good God. Satan? Bad. God? Good. Satan? God? Good. Okay, so here's the deal. When I'm dealing with offense, do you know what I begin to do? I begin seeing God as the offender because he gave me that cancer. He gave me that disease. He gave me this pain. He gave me these broken relationships. He gave me that abuse. God is, God is what? Satan is? Did you know God doesn't give us any of those things? It's because mankind, humanity decided there was a moment in time when God created us and we're sitting in the garden, man. And God says, you can have anything, but don't eat of this tree. It's the knowledge of what? Good and? It's the knowledge of God is and Satan is. Okay. So what does man do? He eats the fruit. By the way, nowhere in the Bible does it say it's an apple. Had this discussion with my nine-year-old the other day. She wanted to know why they call this an Adam's apple if Adam didn't actually eat an apple. The mind of a child. At that very moment, you know, humanity did to itself what God never intended for us to have to deal with. Because God is, and he only wants us to walk in what's good. You know, his intent has never changed. So we live today, when we're partnered with the fence, and this is what we do. We swap those, and we begin saying, God, you're bad. You gave me this. He's going, I didn't give, I'm the only remedy for this. I didn't give this to you. You can thank Adam and his apple. Number three, our hearing. It's how we hear things. Matthew eleven thirteen says, For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is a passage Jesus is talking about his cousin, this guy named John the Baptist. John the Baptist, if you haven't heard about John the Baptist, John the Baptist is a very interesting, eccentric individual. In fact, I will tell you that John the Baptist offended people. And people wanted Jesus to be offended by John the Baptist. They came to him and they're like, hey, there's this guy baptizing people in your name. The Pharisees were deeply offended by John the Baptist because of the story and the message that he's bringing. And so Jesus is talking about John the Baptist and he says, hey, my cousin, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, if you're willing to accept it, if you're willing to accept it, if you're willing to accept it, it's there. Are you willing to accept it? And what does he say? He is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, do you have ears this morning? Let them hear. Let your ears hear. You know what that means? You can hear, but you get to choose how you hear it. 
You can hear my voice. You can choose what it is you're going to make out of it. You're going to choose how these words are. Have you ever talked to somebody and you're trying to convince them that you really do love them and they just keep telling you, no, you're lying? Have you ever been that person? Have you ever felt completely unloved in a situation that if you took a step back and you looked at it on paper rationally, nothing says that you're unloved? The point is, in my life, there were so many moments the people around me were trying to show me how much they loved me. But because I was partnered with a fence, I couldn't hear with a set of ears that said, that is love. And so I would say, I, that's a lie. Have you ever tried to convince somebody of something that they just will not see? It is, it is impossible. In fact, I would say it's pointless to try to convince someone who's partnered with a fence to hear something a way that they are not going to hear it. You can't do it. Jeremiah 6.10 says, To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears. This is God speaking about the nation of Israel. Their ears are closed, so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them and they find no pleasure in it. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. This is crazy that even offense can tune my ears to hearing the good word of a good God and skewing it. And I can become offended by that. It's the person that says, I don't know if you've ever had this happen. This is really funny. I watch this happen sometimes with my kids. Uh, apologize to your sisters. You know, I'm, so, I'm sorry. And it, I, I hear that I'm sorry, and I'm like, that wasn't sincere at all. Have you, have, you ever heard, have you ever heard that I'm sorry before? Be careful. Be careful if, if, if you're being apologized to, that you hear it with a set of ears that's not offended. Because no matter what that person does, they can apologize. It won't be good enough for you if you're offended. You're, you're going to hear. Do, 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 you know, do you know that you know that, tone, you know that tone in the voice where somebody says something to you and you're like, I heard that tone. They're like, I was, I, was, I was just saying, I was just saying, hello. You weren't saying hello. What was behind that was, I don't want you here. I've had these conversations with myself. I go to my wife sometimes and I'm like, you know, I walked in and the person said hi and I could tell by the way they said it, I heard them. And she's like, did you ever stop to think you're a little paranoid? That maybe the way you're hearing things, like you're too easily offended. I'm like, no, they were offensive. They said hi. And when you say hi, there's no like, it's like, they didn't say like, hey, how's it going? It was just, hi. It was just, they were so short and like cutting. It's like, they just, they need to say hi as quick as possible and get it over with. Like they were obligated to say hi. I don't have any time. It's like, they just don't have time for me. They don't even have time to stop and say something to me. They just said hi and walked away. These are, these are real stories from my brain. These are, these are true. I don't know if these happen in your brain. I don't know if you hear things this way. This is how I hear things sometimes. 
you mistakenly hear an offensive word and you stop and say, what did you say to me? And if you're like me, you can't back off. Even if the person explains to you what they said, you're like, that's not, I, I heard you. I, I know what you said. You, 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 this is what you said. And that's, that's disrespectful and it's offensive and we're going to fight now. Sir, I just need you to let the children get on. It's a small world. I don't like Disneyland anyway. Thank you, sir, for giving us all your money. We appreciate you not liking us. What are your ears tuned to? What are your ears tuned to hearing? Are they tuned to hearing the lies and the slander and the insults? Do you always slide to the negative? When the doctor comes in and says, I have news about the results, do you, do you see a 20% chance of getting sick as a death sentence, or do you see it as an 80% chance of surviving? Is it glass half full or is it glass half empty? What are your ears tuned to hearing? And ultimately, this is what I know. Number four, that our hearts are up for grabs. Can I tell you that if you partner with a fence, even to the smallest degree, what happens is, is what starts in our minds, it makes an eight, ten inch journey into our hearts and becomes seated in our hearts. And that is a dangerous thing. It says in Scripture in Proverbs 4.23, Above all, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Why would God tell us to guard our hearts? Because He knows that if things get into our heart, if that seed of offense gets into our heart, if that seed of offense makes that 18-inch journey where it starts in our mind and it filters through our senses and it gets into our heart, it's going to take root and it's going to see itself breed as bitterness. And we will walk around with a bitter root in our heart. And I will tell you from my life experience that bitter roots will only grow bitter fruits. And we will begin to wonder why everyone around us is bitter. And I have figured out in my life there's two reasons why everyone around us potentially could be bitter. Number one, they're bitter because they're having to deal with a bitter me. Or number two, they're bitter because bitterness like offense and like misery and like hurt only keeps company with other people that are bitter. And it leaves our hearts broken, family. It leaves our hearts splintered and fractured. And do you remember, God is good. And His intention in our life is not to leave us with a heart that's broken and splintered. And when we walk through this and we're partnered with, even in the smallest way, we're partnered with these offenses. 
we begin to have to feed that offense. And like we're, we're partnering with it and we're, and we're in relationship with it. And ultimately, ultimately, this is where this all takes us to, is into relationships that are broken. We have broken relationships with God and broken relationships with the people around us. We find ourselves in this repeating pattern. That once it gets into our heart, it starts in our mind and it makes its way through our, our vision and through our hearing. And it gets into our heart, which starts this process of of seeding bitterness because there's bitter fruit that's coming from a bitter root and then it's seeding more. Now we have an orchard of bitterness that we walk with and we will make widespread, vast, quickly, swift changing decisions based on roots of bitterness and offense that have long-term negative impacts on our life. We will walk away from some of the best things in our life, including relationships. We will walk away from our relationship with God because we're offended by His good nature. Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Whoever repeats this matter separates close friends. Jesus, he fostered love because he covered, covered over my offense. And did you know that last week I said we don't have to, ultimately, we don't have to be our, our biggest defender, that God is our defender. He's our protector. And one of the biggest ways that Jesus did this is he came and he covered over all of my offenses with his love. He covered over all the brokenness. He covered all, over all the fracture points, all, 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 the, all the parts that are splintered, all the parts that are cutting, all the parts that are rough, all, all the parts that need kind of sanded down. You, you, you know the parts of humanity that we need like the other human sandpaper. You, if you're in a relationship with someone that irritates you, I say this sometimes, if you're in a relationship with someone that irritates you, it, it, it's like they're human sandpaper. I think God's like, yeah, they're sanding down your rough edges. They're in, they're in relationship with you on purpose because, because I, I'm trying to help you see and understand. I'm giving you kind of this human feedback. But if I'm offended, I'm going to separate, I'm going to break off from these relationships. I'm going to walk away. Jesus never broke off from the, even though I'm here, I know that I'm irritating. Jesus never walked away from me. It's fascinating. Because he was never offended. In fact, he saw the offenses and what did he do? He laid his life down over them. Next week, we're going to talk about the remedy of offense. But I have to warn you, be prepared because it's going to take work. See, in the story that we read about Naaman, God, he's a God of miracles. He's a supernatural God who healed Naaman when Naaman did the natural thing and took himself to the water and bathed himself seven times. God did the supernatural thing and healed him. What this says to me is, is that God wants to co-partner and collaborate and he wants to work with us. But what he's saying is, I'm willing to do the supernatural, but you have to be willing to bring the natural. Are you willing to do the work, family? 
Are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to walk into next Sunday and, and say, I'm willing to hear. I'm willing, I, I, my mind is in a place. I'm willing to, I, I see, I'm, I'm going to see things clear. I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear. I'm not, like, like, some of you might have walked through the last handful of weeks that I can identify with some of these things. And this week, what I want is God to prepare our hearts to be able to walk in next week to do the work. But I'm going to warn you, it's going to take work. Naaman had to go down to the water and wash himself seven times. Are you willing to do the work? Let's stand. Something that I know and that I've experienced in my own life is, is this one simple truth. For a long time in my life, I sat back and I said, it's, I don't need to do the work of trying to, trying to press past the offenses. I, I don't need to do the work. It's too, it's too much work. I, I just, I'm comfortable here in my pain. I, I, I like the drama. In fact, if there's no drama, I, I'm going to stir up drama because I need to feel offended because I, I'm partnered with offense. And since I'm partnered with offense, I need to feed offense. And offense needs fed with other offense. And so I don't know if you've ever done this in your own life or seen this happen. It's a very, it's like a phenomenon that people will drum up drama so they have something to deal with and they're offended. That was me in my life. I've walked through this. I'm here to tell you that you can either do the work of drumming up drama and offense, you can either do the work of partnering with offense, or you can do the work of living a transformed life. It's going to take work either way. Do not let the enemy trick you into thinking that by sitting and maintaining your offense, that somehow you're saving energy or you're saving your life. You're not. It appears to be right but it will only lead to death is what scripture said. And for too long in my life, I allowed offense to sit in my heart and I wasn't willing to take on the work and I wasn't, because I just, I would rather, I'd rather just sit here in the comfort of this. So I'm about to make a statement and after I make this statement, if you agree, I simply want you to do this. I simply want you to just open your hands up if you agree with the statement that I'm about to make. God, I refuse to be a partner to offense any longer. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of your presence and your spirit that you've given us as a comforter that brings peace and understanding, that brings transformation to our minds, God. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would begin to do work in our minds, in our vision, in our hearing, and in our hearts this week. That you would begin to turn the soil of our hearts over because you are preparing it for a harvest, for an orchard of something that is good and purposeful. Something that, that reveals who you are. God, today I refuse to go another moment partnered with offense.
And I'm willing to do the work. If you need prayer this morning, some of your hearts this morning, just even as we've talked about this, the last handful of weeks, uh, your hearts are in a place where they're being turned over. Come forward for prayer. Come down. Some of you are dealing with depression and anxiety and thoughts of suicide. Come on. We have a team ready to pray for you. Come on down. Some of you, uh, the word the Lord gave me was this morning, you're tired of being tired. Like, you, you need rest from being tired. If you're tired of being tired, come on. Mike, can you come down? We don't need to wait. This is the amazing thing about the power of God. The power of God is moving right now. Next week, I'm going to talk about it, but the power of God is moving right now. And I don't need to talk about it for God to actually be about it. God can be about it right now. So Lord, I just I pray right now in the name of Jesus over every single person um, that's come forward, every person that's sitting in the seats that maybe doesn't have the courage to come forward. Lord, I pray for a strength and a courage to rise up inside of your kids. I pray for a strength and a courage to rise up inside of every heart here that we no longer have to walk abandoned and orphaned and feeling alone and feeling tired. I pray for a strength and a courage to rise up in this place. That we would be able to call upon the name of Jesus that we would have a transformational experience in our hearts and in our lives here. We would begin to release right now. You can begin right now. You can begin to just pray in the seat. You can begin to just thanking God. God, thank you so much for what it is you've done for us. Thank you for releasing and revealing who you are to us here this morning. Thank you for bringing yourself close to me. Thank you for bringing me out of darkness and into light. Thank you for turning over the soil of my heart. Thank you for ridding the soil of my heart of bitter roots and of rocks that keep your word from growing inside of me. Thank you for bringing me to a place that right now in the name of Jesus, I pray protection over every single person that heard this word. Whether you're sitting here in these seats or you're listening online or you hear this message during the week, I'm praying protection right now that the seeds of God's good word would be resting in soil that the enemy has no right to that we would begin to stand in strength and courage that says to the enemy, you cannot take what God has taken back from me in the name of Jesus. You cannot have what God has begun to give back and restore in my life. You cannot take ground on ground that God, you have given me to stand firm in. You are no longer able to riddle my mind with thoughts of depression and anxiety and suicide. You are no longer willing and able to be able to come to the threshold of my heart and speak lies into my ear and whisper evil thoughts and desires that take me away from the goodness of who you are, God. You have no place here in my heart any longer. So Father, collectively together as a family, as your kids, 
we have an opportunity to rise up. We thank you. Together, with one voice, we can say yes, and we can say amen. Amen. Amen.